Ever wondered why sometimes at work you really feel in the flow, energized and effective? And also notice that when we're constantly working on our weaknesses, it can be just simply exhausting. Today we're talking about our strengths, how to identify them, why it's important, and how understanding what our strengths are can really fuel our success. The contention being, the more time we spend working on our strengths, the happier we will be. Hi, this is Penny DeVolk. Welcome to Grit in the Oyster, a conversation about how we navigate our careers, our organizations, our lives as women leaders. Exploring its challenges, learning from others, sharing best practice, an opportunity to step out of the fray for a bit, to help you tune out some of the noise and tune into being the best leader you can be. Okay, so here we are in Black's Club in Soho, London, and I'm delighted to be speaking today to Sally Bibb. Welcome, Sally. Thank you very um, much. Sally is the founder of Engaging Minds, uh, an award-winning consultancy specializing in strengths. They work with organizations spanning NHS to Starbucks, and they work in strength-based talent management. And Sally's worked in the field of organizational development for 20 years. Uh, she's the author of seven books and has recently published The Strengths Book, Discover how to be fulfilled in your work and in your life. I hear the launch of the book at Foil Sally was a really fascinating event. It was great actually. Um, I decided this year to do something a bit different um, and to allow the guests to hear different voices, not just mine or the publishers, which is a standard format. So we had um, a young woman who's a teacher who's been working with strengths in schools, currently working in, in an inner city college where half the people are, half the students are refugees mm. and she's been having some great results working with them on strengths and um, a senior partner from EY who we've been doing some work with, with on uh, people with different uh, conditions and disabilities and of course myself um, and somebody emailed me after the event, a, a former colleague of mine and said there was so much heart in the room mm -hmm. and he went on to say how it was nice to have such a different, diverse group of people. There's about 160 guests, um, and they were so engaged and asking, in, he, in his words, asking the important questions. Yeah, well, that's certainly what I heard, and I was sorry, sorry to miss it. And you have another one in New York on the 12th of April. That's right. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, strengths, Sally, tell me about the strengths revolution and why you think in the field of development, it's really found its day. Well, I think, you know, it has been going for, getting on for 20 years now. Standard Chartered Bank were the first big organization to have phenomenal quantitative and qualitative results. But, you know, as with many things, it can take a long time to find its way into organizations. I think now because we have lots of evidence of its efficacy and its effectiveness, the pioneering leaders are, are catching on to it um, and, and they're seeing what difference it makes. But it's not just to the numbers, it does make a difference to the bottom line, to sales, to productivity, but it's what it does to people. And you know, bosses that we've worked with have commented time and time again when they've either walked into a contact centre or onto a hospital ward or into a Starbucks or into, more recently onto a prison wing where they comment on the buzz of seeing people who really are in their element in their job 
and love it and want to work there and you know yourself it, it's palpable isn't it when you yes. when you yeah. witness that so can you summarize what a strength based approach is to developing people and organizations sure so um just to bust all of the myths to, to start off with, it's not about ignoring weaknesses. But what it's about is an understanding that we all have innate strengths. And what I mean by that is a strength is something that you're naturally good at, that you love doing, and that you're energized by. And we include in that our motivations and our values. So it's long been known in sports, really, that if you know in detail your strengths and you stretch yourself in the direction of your strengths, that's what creates great performance. Um, we can overdo our strengths. Mm -hmm. That sometimes happens with executives. Um, so we need to watch out for that. And I mentioned it's not about ignoring weaknesses, which some of its um, critics say it is. It's not. What we say is that, you know, we're all human. We've all got weaknesses. But what are the weaknesses that matter in your job? And how can you mitigate those weaknesses in various ways? And one of the ways you can mitigate weaknesses is by consciously using a strength or a combination of strengths in order to do that. How do people identify those strengths? So the, there's a number of ways. Um, there's a number of online tools that you can access. The best way is through a reflective process. Um, the book that I brought out has exercises in and we've got a number of tools. So it's, it's really all about um, answering questions uh, around, you know, what energises you, what are you drawn mm -hmm. to? And also asking other people who know you well, because typically people don't really know their strengths or they, if they do have some idea, they tend to take them for granted. Yeah, okay. So how do you think a strength strengths-based approach can fuel leadership development capability for women in particular? That's a really interesting question because, um, you know, one, it takes me back to a little story that happened to me, something that happened to me a few years ago. I was skiing for the first time and I was in a class with two men. There were just three of us having private lessons, mm -hmm. a private lesson. And um, the men were, not to put too fine a point in it, vastly overestimating their own ability, even though they were also beginners. And they would zoom off down the slope and I would you know, listen to the instructions and do it properly. And the, and the instructor said to me, Sally, what you, what you lack in technique you make up for in, um, what you lack in speed you make up for in technique. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, I get this all the time where um, the men think they're better than they are and the women don't think they're as good as they are. Mm. And I've heard that said, you probably have as well, Penny, many times in business. So what, what we see is with women, it's often about ha gaining a, a real sense of solid confidence that comes from getting in touch with your deeper strengths and motivations. Mm. So it, it's not the, you know, fake it till you make it school. It's, and and we, we see this with um, people, funnily enough, with um, disabilities as well, where they've been told in their life, you know, well, you're what really good at this, do. but they don't really believe it mm. deep down. With the strengths approach, people somehow connect with it in, on a deeper level. So I think it's a long answer to, to your question, but for women, it does give them a deeper sense of their confidence 
in a way that probably men have more naturally because of the way they're socialised. Yeah, I certainly find when coaching women leaders that working with strengths can be really powerful because for a lot of their career they have been focusing on and often reminded of what they don't have and what they don't do well. So it really does turn that on its head. What are some of the other assumptions we might need to let go of to really embrace a strengths-based approach? I, th I think you, you've hit the nail on the head and I think culturally we tend to focus on weaknesses and of course as human beings we are programmed to mm, We have our huge that. negativity bias. We, we do mm. have a huge negativity bias and that's a, you know, that, that can help us um, as well. But I think the, the big assumption is that in order to be great you need to fix fix your weaknesses. The other thing that comes up time and time again is um, people, again, it's more common in women saying, but you know, I feel like I'm boasting or isn't mm -hmm. it a bit, isn't it so a bit often. bragging? Yeah. yeah. Um, and my, uh, and I, you know, I must admit, I suffer from that myself. So I'm teaching what I need to learn. But my response to that is, you know, unless you tell people your strengths, unless you bring your strengths to bear you're not serving you're not you're not serving what you want to do and you know most people that we know want to make a difference um, and want to have an impact so if your colleagues and team members know what your strengths are then they can ask more readily for you to support mm. them and help them it certainly seems to be something that you know certainly for women executives for whom energy is a real <laughs> when they've got so many other things that it just seems to be completely energising. They're given permission to do what, what they're good at and what they naturally feel does energise them. Sometimes we hear that a strengths-based approach, just focusing on strengths and, as you said, ignoring weaknesses, but that's a massive assumption, doesn't lead to well-rounded leaders. I've heard people say that. Do we need well-rounded well, leaders? Well, uh, it's sort of what what is a well-rounded leader anyway, you know, and this idea of there is a formula for a leader, I think is, isn't is right. You know, I've, I've met many leaders that come in different types of shapes and sizes in my career. I think for sure, to be a leader, you've got to want to um, lead people and um, be in charge in many contexts. So, for example, when we were working with the NHS, um, we discovered that really great ward managers love to be in charge. They love to develop others as well. Um, but the idea that it's a formula, I think, is wrong. Um, and I'm wondering, even within teams, you know, how much do you do strengths work with whole teams to see how people can complement one another so that a team can have, you know, rounded strengths? We do that and it's very energising for the team because it, it, it allows people to say, oh, you know, you're not very good at that, I'm great at that, I can help you. And it gives a sense of, instead of individuals feeling deficient in some way because they're not as good as another person at something, it makes them feel valued mm. that what they bring is, is worthwhile to and the legitimate, team. Yeah. And legitimate, yeah. yeah. You talk about in the book what comes naturally or what people are born to do. Um, often when uh, I'm talking with women leaders, um, you know, our culture doesn't always really say to women when describing leadership roles, you were born to do this. Um, how does the focus on strengths not risk people defaulting to what the world around them is telling them to do? 
or to be? It's it's a it's a battle, isn't it? I think you know strength. Whether we're lo looking at strengths-based approach or not, I think it is a challenge when we are the world is trying to shape us to be something that we we're not. Um, when when people discover their strengths, and this is why I'm very passionate about introducing the idea to young people. It gives them the confidence to say, this is the sort of person that I am. I will try things, mm -hmm. you know, I'll try this because I don't know whether I'm going to like it or whether it's going to um, be, be a good fit for me. Um, but I will go with what I know are my deeper motivations, my values and my strengths rather than being, and that, it's happened to me, being, you know, convinced to be promoted into a job that just isn't a good fit. Mm. So I think that knowledge gives you confidence and gives you um, gives you power in a good yeah. way. Yeah, and clarity. Yeah, yeah. Um, do people get surprised about what their strengths are? Do you find that often people are working in roles where other people think they have real strengths, but actually these are not energising things for them? That we can learn to be good at things that we think are important for a role, but actually they're not really strengths. Yeah, I think people do. Well, people get first of all very uplifted by knowing their strengths um, and uh, often people say oh you mean not everybody's like that not everybody's got that um, so it gives them a, a feeling of validation um, I know when we were working with the prison officers you know we discovered some things about the great prison officers that uh, they took for granted about themselves and they're never actually named but when you walked onto a prison wing and those great officers were in charge there was a calmness about yeah. those wings you could feel it, mm. you could feel it and, and they, they didn't realise that Very interesting um, Certainly what I find is women build their leadership identity we know that very often they can sometimes over rely on their technical expertise and sometimes might not lean towards other skills that might serve them well in terms of those who wish to achieve a more senior role, things like maybe networking or political savvy, those things that they might feel more ambivalent about. When is working on things that do not come naturally to you the right thing for you to do? Well, oh gosh, this is a big subject. So if we were unpicking what you just said, for example, networking you mm -hmm. know I know men as well as women who say oh I don't like networking so but if I was if I was working with somebody on that I would really dig down to so what are your strengths you know maybe you're a person that easily connects with others maybe you're very interested in other people maybe you're you you, you want to help so I would dig down to the granular level of who are you what do you really care about and then to reframe so when you're networking mm -hmm. how can you think of it in this way so in my own case I really love connecting with people I really love hearing people's stories I always have and that's the mentality that I go into networking with so I think it's about you know digging a bit deeper yes and finding those strengths and as you say reframing it and say okay so you know I've got this huge courage so actually I'm going to deploy that in terms of networking or as you say I have huge needs to be a helper or whatever and and look through a networking sort of task if that's how it feels through a lens of what my natural strengths are. And that's true and it, somebody comes to mind actually that I worked with a, a woman who really hated speaking to big audiences and she had to as part of a job but if she could she avoided it 
Uh, and when she looked into her strengths, one of the things that she realised was one of her, if you like, top strengths was she was so driven to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And um, she suddenly had this moment where she reframed everything and said, oh my goodness, but if I don't speak to these large audiences, it hampers my ability mm -hmm. to make a difference in my field. So it still didn't mean she was going to love it and be a person who loved being in the spotlight. But she knew why she was doing it. But she knew why she was doing it. And um, it gave her almost like rocket fuel to want to do yeah. it. Because it connected with her purpose. Yeah, mm. yeah. So is it possible to sort of outline what are core strengths for people who are new to strengths in the strengths book? What are the sorts of strengths that people are likely to headline if they do this investigation and look at themselves? So there's lots of questions to ask people to think and to, to enlist others in giving their feedback in the book um, and to give you an example of some strengths that I'm, I'm allowed to talk about so with um, nurses mm -hmm. so we discovered that the, the nurses who are the really great ones and who love that job be no surprise to you to hear they, they love making a difference they, they really want to do the right thing they have really high standards. Mm. Um, so these are the, this is the kind of language that we use when we're talking about strengths. So it's, it's everyday language that people can relate, relate to, to and they can read a description of a person and say, oh, that sounds like me. So we go away from the more generic, jargony yes. type of speak. So there's not necessarily a list of 25 strengths that someone is going to be able to tick a box for and say yes this is me these are my top five there is a list in the book because i think mm. it helps for people to get their juices exactly. flowing um and but, get yeah. what it is yeah yeah okay really helpful um one of the other things that um it might be useful from a strengths perspective is again given leadership has you know historically been a male uh role um sometimes i am with women who go gosh you know i've 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 really in my career have felt like a you know a square peg in a round hole a lot of my career how might strengths be able to it's a bit like the question I asked you before but how might looking through their career through the lens of what are my strengths help people with fit do I fit here yeah I think it's a really good question and certainly when you know your strengths you you know whether you're in the right place in terms of the role. I mean, none of us have a job that's 100% fit. That was unrealistic, you know, but if we can get an 80% fit and then with the 20% of, of the things that aren't a good fit for us, you know, find ways to have workarounds for those. If we find us, and some people do, um, some people say, you know, I've done this job for years, deep down I've known it's not for me, yeah. or I've known this environment's not for me, and it's it's stressful and there's a relief in understanding, understanding it, it and mm. um, you know working out so what might I be doing differently yeah um, you yourself are a incredibly accomplished executive an entrepreneur respected consultant and author tell me about tell us about your leadership journey well I think I sort of learned the hard way, really, um, and this is why I've, I've had a bee in my bonnet for all of my adult life. When I left uni, I was very, very lucky to 
uh, be very quickly in a job that was such a perfect fit for me. And I flew, and I was surprised, and I think I was quite a shy person then. Um, I think my bosses were surprised this young graduate was doing so well. And I was doing so well that they promoted me. Yeah. Uh, but the problem was they promoted me into a job that was so wrong for me. In what respect? Um, well, the, the, other, the first job, I was having to connect with people. I had uh, challenges on a daily basis. I had um, to influence people on a daily basis. It was very high-paced very fast-paced. Um, the new job was sitting behind a desk um, doing research, essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt bad about myself because I knew my new boss had been told she was getting a high flyer. Um, and it was shocking how quick my confidence dived. And of course... How quickly did you think it happened? Was it a matter of months? Oh, much sooner. Really? And I, and I didn't want to go to work in the morning. Wow. Um, and I couldn't understand why a big, it was BT International that I was working with at the time, why a big organisation with, you know, very thorough um, selection processes, I thought, well, they can't get it wrong, it must be me. Mm. So that experience stayed with me, um, you know, a, a deep, in a deep way, um, which is why over the years I've kept coming back to it and why I've ended up doing what I'm doing to try and stop people having having that experience. Having that experience yeah. yeah. So how did you, what insights did you get from that? How did you dig yourself out of that situation? Well, you know, I knew enough to know that it wasn't going well. Yes. Um, I had a good boss who, um, I mean, they put me through um, uh, coaching, you know, but yeah. of course no amount of coaching was going to make you into something yeah. you're not. Yeah. Um, so I, I changed roles. I mean, I was lucky enough in that organisation, it was big enough, I changed roles. Um, but it was it was at least a decade later that I gained an understanding of, of why what yeah, of yeah what happened yeah yeah, yeah. and in those days of course the sort of prevailing mentality and I think it still is in some organisations is that we should all be able to reach a certain level of competence in a whole range of yes uh, to be this well-rounded well leader back to yes. your phrase yeah. yeah and people getting promoted into roles that look on the face of it, like they will, you know, they should thrive in them, but actually, quite the opposite, struggle to survive in them. Yeah, oh. it's a bit oh. like if they tried to make De make David Beckham a defender. You know, he's yes. a fantastic um, striker, and they said, "Oh, you're really good at that now. Now let's get you to be a good defender." I mean, it's just it's laughable when you think of it in in those, in terms. those terms. Yeah, yeah. Sally, you've talked about what a difference it makes for people when they can really own and understand their strengths. Can you expand on that for me? Sure. Uh, by way of an example, um, so we recently worked with a Muslim women's leadership network and um, we went through helping them to understand their strengths through a reflective uh, approach and lots of different questions. One of the women at the end of it said she had always felt that her religion was a bit of an inconvenience to her and to the firm she worked for. Having dug down into her strengths and her deeper motivations, she realised that she was very, very driven by making a difference in the world. And that largely came from her religion. So it, 
changed and reframed how she felt about her religion in her mind from something that was an inconvenience but something that made something made, that made her who she yeah. is and that she can be proud of mm. and be explicit about okay so other career highlights for you where you've done some major learning and where some of our listeners might get some real insights for their own career I think um, taking the decision to leave The Economist, which was a job I loved, a company I loved, and I had lots of opportunity to do uh, many expansive things there, but I had a bee in my bonnet, um, and I took the plunge. Uh, I think... What was the bee? The, well, the bee was, you know, having studied humanistic psychology, mm. and I thought, I want to do this thing in order to change the way organisations do development and selection. Um, so the big learning for me there was uh, I wish I had built my network more before I left. Mm -hmm. um, I, had a, a, I had, had a good network internally and externally, but um, it, it was a while before I gained enough support to be able to get this business going and right. it was the HR director of Starbucks UK at the time who gave us our first big chance. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big learning for so me. So the flight path was longer the, than yeah, you were anticipating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and how, you know, how supportive people are and how, um, and, and I think I would, I would tell this to my younger self as well, you know, find people who, are, find your tribe as much as you can, you know, find those people that lift you and that you lift. Um, because these are the people that are going to fuel you and that and you're going to have a symbiotic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what do you love about your working life now? Oh, I love the variety, I love the autonomy, um, but most of all I love the glint in you know, hundreds of people's eyes every month in all these different environments. Yeah, I care about making organisations better, but, but what really lifts me is when I see all these individuals um, getting in touch with their strengths, you know, or getting a new job that plays to their strengths, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a real buzz. Yeah, often we know in professional service firms that we work with, for example, law firms can have up to 56% of their intake being female because they're bringing in the, the best and the brightest and have got concerns about the pipeline to partner and these women falling out and certainly, you know, looking at uh, women moving into partnership. You know, how might a strengths-based approach help with women who are considering that at the moment? Yes, um, this is something that we've encountered a few times in our client organisations. So obviously it's a complex issue. There are many factors at play. One of the factors that we've found is when a person really understands their strengths and believes them um, versus you know, getting a, re a report that says, right, these are your strengths. When they go through this process and understand, it helps them to create their own narrative so this is who I am, this is how I've come to become who I am, a bit like you, the questions you were asking me earlier, and this is what I've got to offer. And so when they are going for an interview for a partner or when they are lobbying or creating a story about themselves in the firm, uh, they feel solidly confident about what they're saying and it's, it's true to themselves, they're being true to themselves. Um, 
and it's compelling for the listener because people don't tend to hear unusual, no, authentic, authentic mm -hmm. narratives like this. They tend to hear all the usual jargony uh, people stuff. People who are performing. Yeah, yeah. people who are performing. Mm. So that's, that's how it really helps and it's, okay, and it's very powerful because it, it goes deep. Yeah. That's great. Sally, I'm wondering if you could just, for those who are new to strengths, just give us some examples of some of the strengths that people might be looking to identify in your book. Sure. So, um, you know, some strengths, I'll just pull a few off the top of my head. Um, I have a lot of drive. I love developing other people. I instinctively tune into other people's needs. Um, I like making decisions. These are the kind of things that are strengths, values and motivators that people can tune in and uh, discover and about themselves. Really well. yeah. And so do people end up having a few of these? Do they have five? Do they have six? Or does, does each sort of profile of an individual look quite different? Well, it does look quite different. We, we all tend to have a few strongest strengths and things that we tend to get drawn to and do over and over again. Think of it this way. Um, it's the sort of thing you can't not do. So are you, you know, if you're standing in a lift with another person, can you not resist talking to them? If you cannot resist talking to them, it's, chances are that you're probably a natural connector. Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> very interesting. Can you develop your strengths? Of course you can. The first step is to be conscious of them, and most of us aren't that conscious of them, and then to really challenge ourselves and stretch ourselves on our strengths. And this is what sports people know very well. Mm-hmm. And what about overplayed strengths? You referenced that before. When do we overplay them and over-rely on our strengths? And can that be a weakness? It, well, yes, it can. And this is a, a classic executive derailer, as, as we call it. Um, so, for example, you know, if you're a leader and you've got a lot of drive, um, I can identify this with myself, I've got huge amounts of drive, which is very motivating for my team most of the time. Sometimes they feel harried. And that's when I'm overdoing it. And they can say to me, can you, can you pull back a bit? Can you just dial it yeah, down a dial bit, Yeah, dial it down a bit, yeah. <laughs> okay. So when you're um, thinking of using a strengths-based approach for selection, say, how might you, what advice might you give to an individual who's looking at a, um, an opportunity? How might they look through the lens of their strengths to determine whether in fact they might thrive in that role? It's a, good, it's a good question and I think it can be really exciting to get offered a job that you want. Uh, my advice would be to pause and really think about is this job going to allow me to play to my strength to be me? Mm -hmm. um, you know, is it going to allow me to uh, play out my values? Um, and, and if you're not sure, ask a few more questions. Um, you know, what do you want me to be doing? What's important for you in this role? What does success look like? All of those good questions to really make sure that it is a place and a job that you'll thrive. Thriving, yeah. You mentioned just before um, you would give some advice to your younger self. I wonder if I could ask that question more generally. When you look back on your career to date, what advice would you give to your younger self starting out? Well, it's easy to say be braver, isn't it? Um, and I, th I don't suppose I would have listened to that. Um, but I think for me, what would have made a big difference was if I'd have hung out with and sought out more people that inspired me when I was a lot mm. younger. Because mm. um, it's those people that have made a, a big difference. So what would that uh, have given you? 
What's the difference they, they would have made along it, the way? It would have given me confidence. Right. Um, I mean, possibly it would have helped open some doors for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I think to nothing beats meeting a like-minded person mm. who can ask you the good questions, the challenging questions, but who you know is on your side and batting for yes. you. And it gives you a kind of rocket fuel to move you forward faster. And getting back to that tribe yeah. concept. How would you know if someone was going to be part of your tribe throughout your career? How do you know that? Oh, you ask good questions, Penny. Um, <laughs> I think you just know. Yes. Um, you know, a bit like when you and I met, I, I can't remember that conversation, but I know we connected on a few subjects, mm. professional and personal, yeah. that made me think, oh, this is a woman that I'd like to have coffee with yeah. again. And it's that feeling, It's very isn't natural it? to be able to, yeah, yeah. Stay, in, stay in each other's stay in each other's lives. Mm, very interesting. Sally, um, anything else, any other insights you might like to share related to your own experience or the strengths-based approach um, that might be useful for some, in our women, some of our women leaders who are listening to you now? What comes to mind when you ask me this question is um, a good friend of mine, this wonderful Irish woman who said to me the other day when we were talking about strength, she said, what feckin' good is a 40-watt light bulb? You know, you want 120. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wonderful, Sally. Thanks so much. Before we finish, is there anything you'd like to ask me? I would. Um, thanks for asking. <laughs> so uh, you're going into a new phase of your own career, and I'd really be interested in, you know, what is your why mm. now, and what of your key strengths do you think are going to help you to fulfil that why? Mm, great question. Uh, making a difference is uh, really important to me um, and certainly in terms of I'm hoping that the strengths that I can bring is um, intelligence, getting a balanced view around um, what you know what the challenges are for them. So bringing my experience over the last 20 years as an executive and my deep interest in leadership development and what good leadership looks like and then the growing burgeoning research around the kind of the noise, the static that's out there often for women to step into the leadership identity and the leadership capability. So that's just what I've decided where my energy is going to go um, into my focus being on bringing that experience and that understanding to um, helping women navigate. And if I was one of your coaches, I think one of the reasons I would want you as a coach is that, you know, having seen some of your career I see you as a, a very warm person and also a very gutsy person to have done and achieved what you've done and I think that would inspire me to you know up my courage quotient if you like. Oh no, that's very generous so, of you Sally. And you know I know we're all <laughs> modest about our strengths but I, I would definitely see that as one of your strengths if I may be so bold. Yeah you can be bold <laughs> let's all be bold. Thanks Sally. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Grit in the Oyster. Join me for our next conversation, coming soon, available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And get in touch. Check out my website, pennydevolk.com, or send me an email, penny at pennydevolk.com.